0: And when you find Ephesians two, if you will, find the book of the New Testament book of Philemon. That's a little short, one chapter, uh, epistle, right before the book of Hebrews. So, uh, at the conclusion of the sermon today, we're going to look at maybe a verse or more there in Philemon. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, and if you do not have a Bible, we have Bibles here in our lobby and also in our overflows. We would love for you to pick up a copy today as our gift to you. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 11, if you are able, would you please stand in honor of the reading of this portion of Scripture? And without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. That he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. Thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off. And peace to those who were near For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Thank you. The gospel and racial reconciliation. The gospel and racial reconciliation reconciliation let's pray and ask for the lord's help father we met and this past wednesday we looked at second chronicles 7:14 that calls us as your people to humble ourselves To pray, to seek your face, to turn from our wicked ways, and then you would hear from heaven and you would forgive our sin and you would heal our land. And if there is an issue for which we need to humble ourselves and pray and seek your face and turn from our wicked ways and see the healing that only you can bring. It is this issue. Many of us would say that we don't struggle with this, that we don't have this issue. And yet the moment someone of a different color cuts us off in traffic, um, we show our true selves we are sinners and therefore we all have this issue and there is an answer in Christ in the power of living the gospel to tear down and even kill the hostility So we pray, Father, that that work would begin in us today through this study of this passage and then through us, Father, that you might use us as instruments, as your people to spread that gospel truth and gospel living. And may it resonate and be proclaimed and embraced and shared throughout our entire nation and world that you might... Heal our land. We ask for these things in the name above all names, and the only name that can accomplish these things, the name of Christ. Amen. Well, tomorrow, you know, is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So today is a good opportunity for us to look to Scripture, to look to Scripture for guidance and for help concerning the issue of racial reconciliation our history as america often called the american experience has been forever marked as an especially difficult scene of racial injustice and tension due to our very early endorsement of for the practice of institutional slavery Throughout the 17th and 18th centuries, enslaved Africans were the primary workforce for our agricultural economy. Viewed as three-fifths of a person for tax purposes, African slaves endured the harshest and most demeaning of treatment. The cruelty at times was barbaric as fellow human beings were considered the property of someone else. After the Civil War ended, the 13th Amendment was adopted on December the 18th, 1865, officially abolishing slavery. The 14th Amendment would follow, guaranteeing equal protection and citizenship as well as the 15th Amendment, granting the right to vote. And despite these constitutional guarantees, life and equality for black Americans would continue to be a struggle, which, of course, gave rise to the civil rights movement of the 1960s. Here we are, 156 years... From the abolition of slavery in America. Think about that. Put that in in some kind of context in your mind. 156 years have passed. And the struggle with racial reconciliation continues. Constitutional amendments were the right thing were the were good things but they don't solve the problem because the problem's not a law the problem is a heart 2020 managed to to reveal that to bring the issue of racial tension in America back to center stage we well remember those number of confrontations between police officers, African-Americans that tragically resulted in death, riots in the street, various groups, Black Lives Matter movement and other white groups, the culprit identified as whiteness and white privilege. Institutional racism and systemic racism becoming buzzwords to blanket entire groups of people or entire organizations from the wrongdoing of one person or one group. It seems like whenever it is politically expedient, that race card is is drawn because it will get attention. Even when race maybe not be the issue at all so division and tension remain the 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 race card wouldn't work if there were no tension there it wouldn't be drawn if there if there was no political achievement to be made so the struggle for harmony and unity among fellow citizens of different color continues you remember martin luther king's famous speech his i have a dream speech One of the most known sentences in that speech. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. As we look to scripture today, I I suggest to you that that dream will not be realized by political maneuvering or by revolutionary movements... That dream will only be realized through the right preaching and the right application of the gospel. Because it is the gospel which produces a radical transformation of the heart. And that is what puts an end to racial division and tension. So let's walk through this passage together and ask for the Lord to make application in our own hearts first and in the world around us. In verse 11, we see that racism is nothing new and it's not isolated to America. We're, we're not the only country, we're not the only place that has ever dealt with or that deals with this issue of hating someone who's different than I am. Verse 11, therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision, which is a derogatory term, by what is called the circumcision, which is a I'm better than you term, which is made, by the, made in the flesh by hands, which Paul is saying they're not. that doesn't really make them better. They just think they're better. The great racial tension and divide in the New Testament was between Jew and Gentile. Much of the New Testament, as you're reading through especially the epistles of the New Testament, you will will encounter, and even in the book of Acts, you will encounter this tension that is continuously confronted in the New Testament between Jew and Gentile. And the impulse to see does the gospel have enough power to overcome that hurdle? Is the gospel sufficient enough? And of course, the New Testament is arguing oh, yes, it is. It's the only thing that's sufficient enough to overcome that barrier and that obstacle and to unite two groups of people who do not like each other because they're two groups of people, and that's the only reason. I'm Gentile, you're Jew. Therefore, we don't like each other. But the gospel comes along, and so the New Testament is this gospel-driven labor to overcome this racial divide between Jew and Gentile. Jesus was born a Jew, but he came as Savior of the world. So how are you going to live with that? What are you going to do with that? Yes, the Jews held a special place in God's plan of redemption. He formed the Jewish nation from Abraham. He created a nation of people from Abraham. He entrusted his word to the Jewish people. He made his dwelling among them. He sent his son through them, but from the very beginning it had always been God's plan to begin with his ethnic people, to create his ethnic people, the Jews, and bring unto himself an eternal people from every people of the world. Creating this people from nowhere seemingly, That is his ethnic people was always meant to be a picture of what he is to do worldwide by creating a people from every people for himself. Paul says in Romans 1 16 the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Then he clarifies what do you mean by everyone to the Jew first and then also to the Greek another New Testament way to say Gentile non-jew jew and gentile the power of salvation to everyone jew and gentile who believes that's the power of god the gospel racism is nothing new its root is found in the human condition not the american experience in fact, way back in Genesis, Martin mentioned earlier, if you're reading through the Bible and starting in Genesis, you've, you've probably read the story of Joseph. And in that story, it's interesting that way back in those days, way back in that time, the Bible says, for the Egyptians, because they were the supreme power of the world at that time, right? For the Egyptians, it was an abomination to eat with a Hebrew. What? What was that all about? Racism, I'm better than you. You're less than me. The rub between Jew and Gentile in the New Testament. Racism, I'm better than you. You're less than me. But even racism itself is a small example of a much larger issue. That's just kind of one example of other examples that stem from a larger issue of our fallen sinful state and you know sin sin is it digs down deep in our hearts and and one of the things that it causes us to do is, is to have this false view of ourselves that we are in some ways and somehow superior to others and therefore to look down upon anyone who is different than us. We, we are masters at immediately on first impression looking at someone and picking out everything that's different. And then maximizing that, majoring on that, and thinking about all of those things that are different in that person that are not different in me. To build ourselves up while tearing others down who are not just like us, that goes beyond skin tone. Even today, there, there are tribes of, of people with the same skin tone who are at war with one another because they're from different tribes. Bullying arises because of a difference in social standing. We, we pick out a way that this kid is different from all the other kids and we maximize that. Bullying arises from this same issue from which racism arises. War arises from this. Geopolitical boundaries often lead to conflict and war because I'm from the U.S. and you're from... Think of the Cold War, right? It was Russia versus USA. Who will be the supreme power? Sinners have this thirst... And we're all sinners, by the way. And we we, we have this thirst to identify a difference in others and to see that difference as a weakness in them and therefore a strength in us that we do not have that difference. Which is why, by the way, any of these white power groups or even black lives matter movement will never bring unity as long as they identify themselves as being the answer or as whiteness is labeled as the issue. It's just other forms of judgment based on what the color of skin rather than the content of character. It's just repackaged racism We make much of our differences to the neglect of the things that unify us. And the things that unify us are far more fundamental to who we are. We are all created. Every single human on the planet, we are all created by a single creator, one God. We all descend from one set of parents. We are all of the same race. We all have one mediator, one path of salvation, one God and Father over all, one Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We will all stand in one judgment. We will all enter into eternity. There is only heaven to gain and hell to shun for us all. We are all fundamentally in the same condition, sinners in need of a Savior. That's true of our context. That was true of the context here in Ephesians 2, which is why Paul is saying the things that he's saying to the Gentiles. So we see in verses 12 through 16, the gospel as the great unifier. Paul goes to the gospel. Verse 12, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. In other words, the Gentiles were unaware of all of the ways in which God had already revealed himself. They were strangers to it. (coughs) As unbelievers, Jew and Gentile, white and black, male and female, rich and poor... We all stand in this same condition that Paul describes them when they, when they are apart from the knowledge and understanding of God and his grace and his word. They are, he says, in conclusion, you are having no hope and without God in the world. And that's where we all stand. No matter who we are, no matter where we come from, no matter the color of our skin, no matter our social standing, without hope, no hope without God in the world as long as we are separate from Christ. We don't know God. We don't know grace. We don't know forgiveness. We walk in darkness. This tie is choking me. We don't evolve apart from Christ. We devolve. We dig in. We divide. We lie. We murder. We cheat. We steal. We slander. We abuse, we take advantage, we belittle, we bully, we gravitate to what divides us, we cling to our differences rather than rally around what unites us. Having no hope without God in the world. But look at verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, see what the difference? Now we're going to talk about what made the change. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, separate, alienated, having no knowledge, you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. It is Christ who has made the difference in these Gentiles. It's the gospel. It's Christ Who's bringing them from being strangers to not strangers? Paul describes in later in this very text as "you're no longer strangers." It's Christ. Why? Because. Because it's Christ who has made the payment with his death to conquer our sin and make us alive to righteousness, not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles, for the entire world. The cross has opened up the floodgates of heaven's grace, and that grace is for all sinners, Jew and Gentile. It's for everyone. It's Christ, the great unifier, the gospel, the great unifier. Look at verse 14. For he himself is our peace. It centers in Christ, he brings peace to separated peoples. Separated peoples, different peoples, racist peoples unite where? In him. He himself is our peace. How how does that happen? Who has made us. See that? He, He does this work. He has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility the dividing wall of hostility another word another phrase for racism there is a wall that divides us a, a wall paul says of hostility a, a wall of hatred and and bigotry and and false sense of superiority and it's built brick by brick by the sin that dwells within us it's it's built higher and higher it, it surrounds us it, it's made of a material that's that's not man made it's it, it, no power of man can cause this collapse it is sin and 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 there is only one who can break it down and how does he do this he because he takes the sin you see what the scripture says he himself is our peace who made us both One and has broken down in his flesh. He took that sin, which is impenetrable material for us. We we can't knock it down. We we can't get rid of it on our own. We, We can't overcome it. But Christ took that, which we cannot overcome, upon himself. And in the breaking of his flesh... In the taking of our sin and the breaking of his flesh, he breaks the power of sin in our hearts. So it is in Christ, it's in him, he himself is our peace. It's in Christ that we trade hostility towards one another with peace with one another. He himself is our Paul's thinking, Jew and Gentile, our peace. Because he tears down this wall of hostility so that we as believers might make little of what divides us and much of what unites us, which is Christ. Make much of Christ. He's our peace. Verse 15. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of the two. So making peace. God's not out for two people. By the way, God doesn't have two people. Y'all with me? He has one. Jew and Gentile. He's made them one through Christ. Abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of the two, so making peace. So making peace. What divided Jew and Gentile were these ordinances like circumcision, Paul mentions earlier. The Jew would not accept you as a follower of God apart from embracing all of these ordinances that he himself has embraced to prove that he is a follower of God. But the gospel of Christ is a work in the heart, not a work in the flesh. That's why Paul says, which is, by the way, it's in the flesh made by human hands. It's all man-made. It's all human work. But the gospel is a work in the heart. It's not a man work. It's a God work. Something that he has done. In fact, circumcision of the flesh was meant to point to circumcision of the heart. You even find that in Deuteronomy. Circumcision of the heart. That's what it was for, to point to a work that needs to be done in the heart. So when the gospel transforms the heart, there's no need for these external ordinances of the flesh. You do not need the sign when you have the substance. That's the point. You have Christ. You have the gospel. You no no longer need the signs pointing to them. The gospel does away with all that divides us. Now that applies in any situation of racism. Even in our own context. The gospel destroys and tears down all the external, temporary, fleshly means of division and unites us as one people under God. One people. We're not separate people. As believers, we're one people under God, which is the only sure way for peace. Thinking about, I mentioned earlier the Cold War... I was thinking about an illustration from that. You know, many many attribute the, the end or the beginning of the end of the Cold War to President Reagan's famous Berlin speech, 1987. Personally now, I think it can be traced two years earlier when Rocky fought the Russian in Rocky IV. Now, all those Russians were yelling, USA. I mean, that had to do something to it, right? But Reagan famously said, Mr. Gorbachev... Tear down this wall, which is a great illustration for what Paul is talking about here in Ephesians 2. When the father sent the son to accomplish the great work of redemption, one of his assignments were, son, tear down this wall. Take down this wall of hostility that exists between all of these peoples because my, my plan of redemption is to unite them all, not divide them all. Verse 16 is how the son accomplished that mission and might reconcile us both to God. You see that here? This is what brings the peace. This is what ends the hostility. This is what does away with the division that reconciled us both to God in one body, that's his body, through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. You see, the atonement of Christ accomplished far more than we realized We often look to the atonement of Christ, and we only think about it in terms of Christ's death for us, rescuing us from eternal condemnation. That is absolutely true, but that's not the only thing that Christ accomplished in his atonement. It also removed every ounce and reason of hostility between the people of God. Notice Christ not only tears down the wall of hostility, but he kills it. Signifying to us that it is through Christ, it is through the gospel, that we are enabled to conquer the power of sin that still clings to us even as believers. It's through the gospel and the power of living out the gospel in our lives who we are in Christ what he has done on our behalf what the gospel is for it is through that that we can conquer sin within us and that sin includes racism which then brings about our third point the necessity to herald the message verse 17 and he came And preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. See what he's saying? They both needed Jesus. Neither one of them were right with God, Jew or Gentile. They both needed Jesus. So he came and preached peace, he came and preached the gospel. The work of the atonement is not applied until it's embraced you're not saved until you believe it's not embraced until it's believed it's not believed until it's heard it's not heard until someone preaches it someone shares it someone tells it someone explains it that's romans 10 isn't it how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel of peace That's our commission each and every day to be gospel bearers, to take the gospel with us. If we want to put an end to racism and racial tension and injustice and equality, the answer is not in government or in revolution. The answer is to spread the gospel. He himself is our peace who kills the hostility between us. Preach the gospel, tell others the gospel, live like gospel people. Demonstrate the gospel in our lives with everyone around us. Turn the sin that still festers within us, turn it on its head with the gospel. When you spot those differences, then make sure you unite in Christ and in the gospel. Brings us to the last point, the centrality of Christ to the gospel and therefore to the work of racial reconciliation in verses 18 through 22. And so he says there in verse 18, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. See, what unites us is so much more than what divides us. You're Gentile, I'm Jew, but guess what? We both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure, see, we're pointing back to Christ, in whom the whole structure being joined together, Christ is doing this work, Grows into a holy temple in the Lord. There's the work of the Spirit. In him, that's in Christ, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. God is doing this massive, wonderful, uniting thing from every tribe, every nation, every tongue. And it's all centered on his Son in the proclamation of his gospel. Paul says what you were in verse 12 you are no longer in verse 19 you were strangers and aliens you're no longer now you didn't know God you do now you had no hope you do now what happened between verse 12 and verse 19 what took away the hostile division and replaced it with radical unifying peace It was Christ and his work on the cross. When the Jew hears and responds to the gospel and applies the gospel to his life. When the Gentile hears and responds to the gospel and applies the gospel to his life. There remains no longer any hostility or division. In fact, they find themselves in the same place. In the household of God the church of the lord jesus christ in fact there's so much unifying peace centered around christ that both jew and gentile they are now part of the same household of faith racism isn't cured by going to school together it's right it's good it's not the cure Racism is not cured by working together. Playing on the same team. Pulling for the same team. Serving in the same ranks. Racism is cured when we worship the same God together. Saved by the same Savior. United by the same Spirit. Therefore. Therefore. You are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Let's look at Philemon right quickly. Now the story of Philemon, if you're familiar with it, Philemon is a believing brother. He happens to have a number of bond servants that are in his service. That brings up a whole other issue, doesn't it? Slavery in the Bible and slavery in America. We'll talk about that on another time. Onesimus is one of Philemon's bondservants. He flees from his master Philemon... Somehow, by God's great providence and guiding hand, Onesimus comes across Paul. In Paul's imprisonment, Paul shares the gospel with Onesimus, and Onesimus comes to faith in Christ. And Paul disciples Onesimus and then prepares him to go back and make amends with Philemon. That's why he writes this letter to Philemon. And he's writing to Philemon. Philemon well knows Paul. Paul knows Philemon's they, Philemon, they are brothers in Christ, friends in the gospel. And he's writing him and he's telling him this story that, guess what? I, I, I met Onesimus and he has come to faith in Christ. And so I'm sending him back to you. Look what he says in verse 16, how he wants philemon to recognize this bond servant who has ran away from him verse 16 i want you to see him i want you to have him back he says in verse 15 forever no longer as a bond servant but more than a bond servant as a beloved brother Especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? Look at verse 17. So, if you consider me your partner, that is, gospel partner, receive him as you would receive me. What's the main point that Paul is arguing on? The gospel. Paul is saying, I'm in the gospel, Philemon, you are in the gospel, now Onesimus is in the gospel, now we are brothers. You see, the theology of Ephesians 2 is being lived out and played out in real life in Philemon. Theology is for living the gospel and racial reconciliation let's pray father we love you and we praise you we bring you glory today father because there are tough issues in this life We are so thankful that your word is sufficient for each and every one of them. It might not be at times what we want to hear, but it is every time what we need to hear. So Father, would you take that word and would you be at work in our hearts making us those gospel people that display the unifying power of Christ in our lives, in our relationships, in our work. And everywhere we go, that we would be this kind of people, this kind of gospel unifying people. And would you bring healing to our land and forgive us of our many, many, many sins, past and present, of hating one another just by picking out differences We need revival, Father. We need forgiveness. We need the gospel. We need churches to stand and declare the truth. Believers to live and share the truth. We need that healing and refreshing from the presence of the Lord today. So we pray for ourselves and we pray for our nation. And we ask you to do great things. For your glory and your sake. Amen. You have been listening to the sermon ministry of Will Owens, pastor of Grassy Pond Baptist Church, Gaffley, South Carolina. Be sure to visit willowens.com to hear more sermons, read blogs, and learn more about the missions branch, P67 missions. Again, thank you for listening to Will Owens.